don't know about you all, but I have an aversion to those sayings, those uh, pious little one-liners that Catholics use a lot. They drive me nuts. I'll give you an example, a couple examples. Like when somebody says, well, everything happens for a reason. I hate that. Or just offer it up. We're famous for just, just offer it up. Whatever suffering you go through, just offer it up. Or suffering, don't forget, suffering's a good thing. Or another one that drives me nuts, you know, you just got to trust. You just got to trust. It'll all work out in the end. You know, internally, I'm like, yeah, that's true, but shut up. Because it's, I think it, and what drives me nuts even more as a priest is, you know, I use these <laughs> when I'm working with people. Because they are true statements, and they are well-intentioned for sure. But I don't think they bring the comfort that we want them to bring to people that are really, really suffering. And I think that Paul's words in the second reading have to fall into this category, these types of expressions. Well-intentioned, but not capable of delivering much comfort. When he says, I consider the sufferings of the present as nothing Compared to the glory that is to be revealed in us. Oh, whatever suffering you go through, that's nothing. Try telling that to a man I counseled a couple years ago whose wife walked out on him for no apparent reason after 25 years of marriage. Oh, your sufferings, it's not a big deal. Compared to what's coming? Ah. Or say that to the woman who's had her fifth miscarriage. Try saying that to a wife that I, had, I encountered a few years ago whose husband was killed in a fatal car accident that left her with three children and a baby to take care of. Oh, you're suffering. nothing compared to what's coming. Or a friend of mine who, for most of his life, has suffered for, with intense pain and who goes to bed every night without any prospect whatsoever of waking up and feeling better. Try saying that to any one, of us, any one of us here who has brought our pain, our suffering to this altar today. Surely, this must be some pious saying spoken to us by some crazy theologian who has no clue what he's really talking about or has never suffered. That has got to be evident. So first we have to figure out who, who is speaking and what he's not saying. So who's speaking? Yeah, all right, Paul. Good, I like that. Fire back. You guys are learning. Paul's speaking to us. And far from being unacquainted with suffering, we know from Scripture that this man, in fact, is very acquainted with suffering. He may have suffered more than any of us in this church. And not just physically. Emotionally, psychologically. Paul was a man who was very, very familiar with pain. He was so familiar with it that he wrote a litany of his sufferings in the letter to the Corinthians, which I love. If you get a chance to read it, it's fabulous. And he tells us in there what he's been through. He starts out, five times I've been scourged. Have you seen the passion of the Christ? You know what a scourging looks like. Jesus got it once. Paul got it five times. Can you even imagine what the body of this man looked like? The scars that would have been on him. That means he at least, at least had 200 scars on his back. And we know from eyewitness accounts, historical accounts, 
they said that scourging was sometimes considered worse than crucifixion. Because not only would your ribcage bones be showing, but your spinal column would be showing too. That's how much flesh was ripped off of you. This guy got it five times. Then he says, I've also been beaten with rods three times. Again, you ever seen those bamboo sticks that bend? Imagine that. Three times he had that. And it wasn't just the short-term pain, right? They healed up after several weeks. We know, it even tells us, he said he has this thorn in the flesh. Do you remember that? We don't know what it was. Nobody knows what it was. But we know it affected him his whole life. He is well acquainted with suffering. Three times he was shipwrecked. One time the whole boat sunk and he was floating in the ocean for a day and a night. Not knowing if he was going to live or die. My favorite story is when he's pulled out of this city, they take him out outside the city and stone him to death. They throw rocks at him until they think he's dead. And they're like, good, Paul's dead. Now he'll shut up. And they leave. But Paul's not dead. Paul somehow survives being stoned to death. And listen to what he does. This is my favorite part. You and I, right, if we got somebody hauled me outside of Mandan and threw rocks at me until they thought I was dead, I wouldn't want to encounter those people again. Paul gets up and walks back into the town and says, hey guys, <laughs> hey, it's me, I'm back. He still wants to convert them. And at the end of the sufferings, this litany of sufferings that he's been through, maybe my favorite line is he says, and on top of all this, I have to deal with you, the churches, as if that's the worst suffering he's experienced. And not just physical. He was undermined by his own people. People lied about him. They wrote letters in his own name that said stuff that he wasn't saying. This guy knew pain. Not to mention, at the end of his life, you know what happened at the end of his life? He's put in prison for two years. And then to top it all off, just the cherry on top of Paul's life, they cut his head off. This guy, this guy is the one saying, the sufferings that I go through are nothing compared to what's coming. You guys, he's speaking directly to all of us. For those of us that have carried a cross for a long time and it's beginning to feel heavy, maybe even unbearable, And I'm not just talking about physical suffering. I'm talking about psychological, emotional, depression, anxiety. Some of you here have long-suffering illness. Some of you might have marital problems. You just can't get over. Some of you have suffering because of your children. I don't know what your cross is, but sometimes I know what that feels like when you just want to throw in the towel. And you're like, God, why aren't you here? Why aren't you helping me? Why is there so much suffering in this life? So much pain. I had a buddy of mine. He's a priest out on the East Coast. He told me this story. His parishioner, he was coming to Mass in the morning. They walked past each other and the parishioner looked at him. He just looked terrible, the priest did. He's like, Father, you look awful. And he's like, well, it's more like a Boston. Father, you look awful, you know. He's in New England area. And he's like, yeah, well, I'm just, you know, I'm tired. I'm tired of putting out fires. I'm tired of problems. I got problems with my own family, the problems of the parish. I got parishioners that have problems. The country has problems. And this guy looks at him, he's like, Father, I'm going to show you a place where there's no problems. 
And he's like, really? He's like, yeah, come with me. So he goes, and they walk over the back. It's kind of a little outside, you know, country parish. And they walk over this hill, and they look down. And they're looking down on the parish cemetery. And he says, Father, the only people I know that didn't have any problems are down there. And they're all dead. Problems you will have with you always. Paul is clear about that. But it's important to realize what he's not saying. He's not saying that your suffering is meaningless. Your pain is meaningless. That would be ridiculous. What he's saying is, is the struggles that we go through are nothing in comparison to something. Problems you're always going to have. But it's all about perspective. For example, the rigors of grad school. The sleepless nights of study. They're nothing when you compare to the job you get because of the degree you got. Or just like the sweat and toil of Hell Week, two-a-days for football practice. Or you're just thirsty and sore and you just keep going and going. That's nothing. You don't even remember that when you hoist the state title over your head. Or just like after nine months of sickness and discomfort, pain of labor and delivery, they're nothing compared to the ecstasy of a mother holding her newborn baby. That's what Paul's talking about. The sufferings of the present age are nothing compared to the glory of the life to come. You guys, we mostly have 60 to 90 years. That's generous, maybe. 60 to 90 years are nothing compared to eternity. And you know what the embarrassment is going to be for some of us? When we get to eternity, we're going to look at the expanse of eternity and the glory of eternity. And we're going to say, wow, I chose that. I chose that miserable life of 60 to 90 years. I chose that over this. Man, is that going to be embarrassing. But the problem is, is it's going to be too late. So choose it now. I don't know if I've mentioned this guy before. His name is Scott Jurek. Has anybody in this uh, church run a marathon? A full marathon. Wow. Aunt, husband, aunt. Did you do it together? Oh, that would have been cooler. She beat you by 45 minutes. You loser. <laughs> wow, and you got to live with that. That's... Wow, well, congratulations. I, I hate marathons. I hate running. <laughs> you know they have those stickers that say 26.2? And they put, that's because that's a marathon, 26.2 miles. They put it on the back of your car, and that means you ran one. My, my seminarian's got me one that says 0.0. I don't run. Because I hate running. But that 26.2 is impressive. But Scott Jurek is an ultra, an ultra marathon runner. These guys, marathon guys are insane. You know, the, the first person that ran the marathon died. Did you know that? Why did we make a sport out of it? But the ultra marathon is a hundred plus mile run. It at least has to be a hundred miles. Scott Jurek is the number one ultra-marathon runner in the world. The longest run he did in a single run was 166 miles. The longest recorded, or sorry, the, 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 the fastest the Appalachian Trail has ever been done is by Scott Jurek. Now to give you some perspective, the Appalachian Trail is 2,189 miles. The average hiker, if they complete it, one in four who start out complete it. It takes them five to seven months 
Scott Jurek did it in 46 days. Yeah, man. Why aren't you shocked? That's insane. He did it in like one-fifth the time. He did the bad water, which is considered one of the hardest runs in the world. You run from negative 282 feet below sea level in Death Valley to Mount Whitney, which is 8,360 feet above sea level. The run is a 100-mile run uphill. He got halfway through it, collapsed on the side of the road, puking, wheezing, and after 10 minutes regained his stealth, got up, finished the race with a course record. The dude sprained his ankle on one of the runs halfway through the run. He's 50 miles in. Now, you and I, me more particularly, would ask for ice and painkillers and somebody to carry me back to my hotel. Scott Jurek said tape it up. They taped it, and he finished 50 more miles on a sprained ankle and set a course record. And to blow your mind even more, the guy does all of this on a vegan diet. He's an absolute machine. They asked him, they said, how do you do this? And when I heard his response, I'm like, man, this is what Paul's talking about. His answer was simply this. In order to win these races, I never stop thinking about the finish line. I don't think about how far I've gone, how far I still have to go. I don't think about uphill, downhill, curves. I don't think about what I'm running on. All I vision in my head the entire time is crossing the finish line. I'm like, that's what Paul's talking about. In everything that we're doing, no matter what we experience, we're always looking at the finish line. We should be. Paul says, because we have faith, we can do this. Faith, you guys, is a matter of perspective. It enables a person to see correctly, even in the midst of pain and suffering. And so today, I want to pray for you, that you have that faith. That you have, in whatever pain you're in, that you're always looking to the next life, not this life. Because quite honestly, when it's all over, And God willing, we enter into eternity. We will look back at whatever we experienced and say, it was nothing compared to what I have gained by staying faithful. And so let us pray. Lord Jesus, through the intercession of St. Paul, give us the faith to believe that no matter what we suffer in this life, either physically or through our own sin and weakness, or suffering that has been dealt to us by others, That if we stay united to you and keep focused on heaven, one day we will look back on these difficulties and all this suffering and realize that they were nothing compared to the life that we will live forever with you.